Welcome to Everyday Yoga, podcast uh, number seven, I think it is. doesn't really matter anyway, does it? My name is Brendan uh, Murphy. I am the founder and director of Shanti Warrior Yoga. Uh, this podcast is about uh, applying yoga philosophy to everyday life. And uh, today, I am very lucky to have my good friend Josie Meatyard here. She is going to, uh, well, she's a kung fu expert, even though she says she's not, she is. Uh, she, uh, well, I'll let her tell you about what... Uh, her credentials are with kung fu but she knows a lot about it and i wanted to look at the crossover between kung fu and yoga it's something that's interested me um like in so many of the stories in oral traditions there's lots of different stories about the origins of things um that were created before we have written records about that and even if there were written records about it who's to say that the person who wrote them down wasn't changing the story anyway but we're just going to look at the crossover between kung fu and yoga uh, and you know it's it's movement that we're talking about it's energy it's the flow of energy uh, if you're interested in um, any of that kind of stuff you're going to love this chat right so Josie how you doing tell us a little bit about what your background is in kung fu well firstly thank you for having me um, so I started doing martial arts around about the age of 16 um, I was looking for initially just something to get me fit and me and my brother, we went to a kickboxing class that started up the road from where I live. Um, and I actually thought, oh, this is not too bad. Quite enjoyed it. And then competed in kickboxing. Um, where was that centre? Because uh, let people know where, where we are. So we're in Luton. And uh, you, you, the centre you went to was where? It was actually Bushmead Community Centre. Um, but they, the club that started back then, I mean, we're talking, what, 20 three years ago um dragons they were called back then brilliant club um but they disbanded um about probably four years four years into me and my brother going there um i, I mean i learned so much from those guys uh, and actually for the first two years i was the only girl um which was quite challenging but also helped me as a martial artist because i had to fight bigger and stronger people um i mean my brother is like six foot one and that ex-American football player, so he's like really wide and he never took it easy on me. Mm. You know, he actually quite liked fighting me because we went at it, <laughs> which is quite good. Um, but then from there, um, I wanted to train to become a stunt woman and I needed to get into weaponry work. So I did a, a search, you know, good, good old Google, and I found a club at, who were training out of Hightown. And I was fortunate enough to meet um, Master Robert Simpson, who is uh, a wonderful, humble, really great guy, um, who sort of welcomed me into his clan, his group. And little did I know that I'd absolutely fall in love with it and from there go on to compete and, you know, enjoy you know many, many years with them and, and the Kung Fu family. Um, I did get to try lots of other martial arts along the way. I did um, Taekwondo for a little bit. Um, I used uh, screamer sticks for a bit. What's that? Uh, so they're like little, uh, the best way to describe them is like a bamboo stick. Oh, okay. Um, or like, like in the turtles with Donatello yeah, or whoever? Yeah, just like that. I'm so exactly. ignorant. I'm so ignorant. I'm sorry, but that's my knowledge of Kung Fu is watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> But you're quite right, just like that. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. 
And then, so, so tell us about, I mean, you know, you're, you're making it, you're downplaying it a little bit. You, you went to World Championships um, with Kung Fu representing Great Britain, did you not? I did. <laughs> I was very lucky. Um, 2005 and 2009, I got to compete uh, for Great Britain, which was an absolute honour. Um, I got through to the final in both cases. So um, the more recent one against America. So Great Britain versus USA. Um, I did get absolutely mullered in that final, but... <laughs> oh, well, so you're, you're only the second best in the world? Oh, geez. Well, then forget about this now. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's such a, a, a cool achievement. So um, where did you go to for the, 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 the world finals that you went to? Um, that was in Germany. Yeah, so um, I actually, um, long story short, I had a one-year-old daughter at the time. Um, my mum came with me and she looked after my daughter while I was competing. So it was, it was quite a difficult time because, wow. you know, she was still very young and, and needed me. Um, so that was, um, you know, that was tough to, to get through that. But, you know, we did it. Given that there is, uh, tends to be relaxing still in the body, like up to maybe a year after, you know, you've, you've had a child and, and you're like, kicking butt across the world <laughs> within a year of having had a child. I think that that's, you know, uh, that's a, a stunning achievement, you know. And so, so you know, you should be really proud of that. And, and, and I'm proud to kind of call you my mate, you know, oh, since, since you. you know, and be able to practice yoga with you, you know, is a, it's really cool. And um, I've even incorporated some of the stuff and the movements that you've done. Um, and we talked about it, you know, like things like doing the crane hands. Anybody who's been to my classes will know that I do the crane hands and, uh, and, uh, and I still laugh from Josie. I still laugh from, from Kung Fu. Um, I, can't, but, I, can't take, I can't take responsibility for owning that, though, right? <laughs> no, but, but I did copy it from you. You copied it from somebody else, whatever. No, but, but so that's something that you do. So I'll explain the crane hand. Uh, the, the way that I do it anyway is I get the four fingers to touch the thumb and you pull your, your fingers in towards your forearm so you're stretching in the back of the wrist mm -hmm. because we spend a lot of time um, in modern living sitting down um, and typing on computers or on keyboards or, or like with our fingers uh, and, and hands wrapped kind of around phones and things like that it's good to practice strength and flexibility in your hands so the crane hand that I'm doing now Josie can tell me if this is not exactly how it is in Kung Fu and I'm sure it's not but the way that it works for me the way that makes it feel good to me is to touch the four fingers to the thumb and pull the fingers in towards the forearm to stretch the back of the wrist. Now, tell us a little bit about how wrong I am with that. No, not wrong at all. In fact, that's exactly how we would do it. Um, it's a very defensive move. Um, we were, the Kung Fu that we did was White Crane, which is a defensive um, style of Kung Fu. So that's exactly how we would have done it. And so how, and how does that work? What, what would you do with your hands when you had them in that position to make it a defensive thing? Um, so it might be a strike, for example, when, when you've got your fingers pulled in and you pull back, it could be a strike. It could be- So you're a, hitting the person. You're hitting the person with the back of your wrist. Yeah, at the end there. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like yeah, go on. Wrist, um, so sort of the wrist area there yeah. to strike. But also it might be um, because you're pushing something out of the way. Okay. So an arm, for example, that might have been coming in, you would, you would basically use their energy as it comes in and you'd mm. push them away using that crane hand. Okay. And what's the benefits of, of, of having the hand in that way in Kung Fu then? then when, you're, when you're striking as opposed to a, to a fist? 
Uh, well, we, we tried not to strike too much. I think that's something my Shia taught me. It's, it wasn't, obviously, when we were fighting, that's different, but the style itself is very about evasing, uh, being evaded, you know, moving out of the way of a punch, for example. So if someone was coming at me, I could use that defense system, which is very safe, so you've got no fingers in the way, mm. you're not going to hurt your, your thumb or your fingers in any way, and move their body out of your path. Yeah. Because it seems to me like that that would, if you, if you were to say move with your, your hand in that way, then you would have the ability and the flexibility to kind of twist your hand around and hold onto the arm and move. Is that is that is there something in that? Yeah, absolutely. And in, quite often would if you if you were grappling, if you mm. grab someone, mm. then that's exactly what you would do. But you might use it as a strike and then a grab. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. See, and that's why I love all this because I, I mean. To be honest with you, you know, I'm I'm like coming from an angle where I grew up watching kung fu movies and yeah, and and the turtles was like my favorite cartoon <laughs> and and all that stuff. And I'm sorry if that's disrespectful to people who 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 are you know much more educated in, in kung fu and the ways of kung fu than I am. But uh, I think that's probably been a way in for lots of people of yeah. of our generation to, to to kung fu. You know, watching it on you know things like um you know Bruce Lee movies and yeah. stuff like that and yeah. and and it's just. You know, I mean, I have to say that, that that I got really excited when I started to learn about the warrior poses in yoga, yeah. and 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 how it was about in the warrior pose, um, for instance, trying to reduce the area that you can be. You can imagine there was a, a an opponent in front of you, and you're trying to reduce the surface area that could be hit. Um, in much in the same way as you might do a martial arts where you reduce the surface area and you step back. And, um, and I did like two, one or two classes of karate and, and they had the kata in that. Yeah. And, and, and I'm so, when I was a kid, I wish I'd carried on doing that. Yeah. Um, but it was, I was too cool at the time, you know, quote unquote, too cool, you know, to, to do the karate class. And I was like, well, what's the point in the kind of walking back and forward and doing these repetitive movements? Um, but now that I look at it and I'm doing yoga and I'm doing repetitive movements with people and going to refine that, mm. ah, okay, now I kind of get it. And is that something that you do in Kung Fu as well, the, the, oh. the, the, the kind of sequences and repeating that? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, we have, similar to a kata, um, a sequence of moves that looks to the untrained eye, just look like you're, you're moving through nothing, but actually each one has a purpose. So it might be a strike or it might be a block or, or it might be a takedown or whatever. Mm. Um, but you would go over and over and over and over um, this particular form and it could have hundreds of moves in it. Um, but we, ha we had to do that if we wanted to grade or move up in belts, that's exactly how we would do it. Yeah. But I, I was going to say, you were mentioning about uh, the warrior pose. Mm. There's a similar pose in Kung Fu called Mabu, which is horse dance, right. which we would practice a lot. And um, our Shie would expect us to, to be able to hold that quite confidently for any length of time. I mean, I, I used to hear stories, I don't know how true they are, of, you know, the, the uh, Shaolin warriors holding them for, you know, not just hours, days, yeah. you know, um, because they had to be super strong in these stances. And that's similar when we get into a warrior pose. When you show me a yeah. warrior pose, the, the strength that is required there. So we're talking about a warrior two pose where we're, we're standing in that way. Yeah. It's, where, yeah, it's like that, but then you would just have it more square and then you have both your hands forward. Oh, right, so okay. you sat, um, it's, imagine you had a horse underneath you. Yes. That's exactly how it looks. Wow, yeah, because you have to open the hips out to yeah. be able to have the horse underneath yeah. you and, and to be comfortable in that position, right? Yeah. Amazing. So now, another thing I wanted to get into is, um, you know, 
the whole so what depends on depending on where you read and on what source you read you can see that um that some people claim that kung fu may have originated from from uh, an, an indian monk who came across and taught some uh, a buddhist meditation ways that that was part of the um the kung fu kind of meditative breathing techniques and everything like that and maybe there was some yoga in there the yoga moves might have been incorporated into kung fu i'm not saying this is totally true mm-hmm. i'm just saying that these are some of the stories you might hear and i guess um, especially if i'm coming from a place where where I, i'm surrounded by a lot of yoga teachers and people <laughs> who taught me yoga they might want to perpetuate that story but it's i think it's very much like i like i mentioned in some of my other podcasts you know um all i can do is present the information that i have through the prism of me you know and all we can do is is look at the information and go does that make sense to me and 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 if it does then then kind of go from there so a lot of the time it, there there's so many different stories that come from these oral traditions that aren't written down um you know the things were created i mean we're talking about I think it was something like 500 AD or something yeah. they were talking about like the the the, the monk ago. came yeah <laughs> but the monk came you know and and uh, went to the to the Shaolin temples to to work with this is the, so the story goes that I read on one of the, one of the I guess it's one of the British kung fu associations yes. because there's so many different yes. types of yeah. kung fu um was it the, the Lao Gar um Gai, website yeah. and they said that um uh, uh, an Indian monk called Dhammo, the uh, Bodhidharma, came in and um, brought the Buddhist meditation techniques to uh, the monks who who were, um, uh, you know, getting lots of spiritual strength, but not so much of the um, physical strength, according to this story. Um, and there is the the Indian martial art of Kalari Paya, which when I look at that, I can see lots of yoga postures in there. You know, I can see lots of um, stuff. That, so the Kalari Paya, for anybody who doesn't know, the Indian martial art, um, which is done sometimes with short so- swords, sometimes with, with uh, little shields, uh, sometimes with the uh, long flexible swords, um, but also sometimes hand-to-hand. And when you look at the guys doing the hand-to-hand postures, there's a lot of stuff that's there that requires stuff like the warrior two poses and the things uh, like that to get you into those positions. So for me, it, it, it's not a, a massive leap to imagine that something like Kalari Payet and Kung, or Kalari Payet and yoga were practiced alongside each other because you could see the benefits of doing the yoga postures and enabling flexibility and strength through movements and, and being able to redirect energy. Um, so, you know, there might be something in there, but we don't know. And, uh, and Josie, no, can only kind of talk about her background. I can only talk about my background. What do you think about, but we're here to talk about the crossover between Kung Fu and yoga in terms of, um, movement and direction of energy, right? So that's something that we, that we can talk about. Tell me a little bit about how, um, the direction of energy, um, in, in Kung Fu works. So, I mean, what I would say is in yoga, we've obviously working with you, I've discovered there's a lot of animal movement. Mm. And you think about Kung Fu, most of the styles are based on animals. So white crane, um, you know, you've got dragon, you've got tiger, you know, there's all different animal styles. Mm. So even if you, you know, even if they weren't, you know, from India or China or mm. wherever, you can see that crossover between the two. They're both using animal styles. And from that respect, you know, they are the same because mm. they're both mimicking animals. Yeah. And, and for me, a lot of the time I think about um, yoga sometimes is like a, a bit of a, 
an, an expression of love and, and, and admiration for the things around you when you do something like the tree when you do something like the cobra it's it's a it's it's a kind of paying homage to to the fact that we are not the only things here mm. and and that's quite a and, and there there are other things that we can learn from and we are not kind of above and higher than these things it's just that we're different as humans yeah. and i think that that's quite a buddhist thing yes. and, and given that buddhism um uh, from the bbc documentary that i watched about this i think it was called the um the indra valley um something along those lines it seemed to be a reliable source anyway um but it said that um buddhism originated in the region of india that is now pakistan and then there was lots of an influx of Chinese um, people who were interested in learning these teachings who went in and then brought Buddhism back to China. And that's um, kind of part of the explanation about why Buddhism is so big in, in China. So, you know, it's not unthinkable that there might be some crossover between Kung Fu and yoga. And I'm just trying to draw all these comparisons because yeah. <laughs> I want to be, I want to look as if I have uh, some connection to Kung Fu essentially. Um, but yeah, no, so, so tell us a little bit about um, what, what was... What was your most um, kind of memorable experience from, from being involved in Kung Fu? Oh, wow. Um, I actually probably would draw on the, the last World Championships because uh, that was a difficult time. I said, like, I had a, a small child, um, so my, my body had physically changed. Um, obviously, getting older, too. Um, I think I sort of had a moment during those championships where I realized I really wasn't a fighter and I know that sounds a weird thing to say from someone who's in a world championship fighting but I really didn't want to hurt that other person um and I had to sort of conjure up all sorts of things in my mind to to be that aggressor to be you know mm. to attack mm. um and it, it I don't want to say it was like a, a you know an enlightenment moment, but I actually hung up my gloves after that championships. Um, I do still miss the practice of martial arts and, and the martial arts family, but um, for me that experience it wasn't a negative experience. I don't want to say it was horrible or anything, but it it just sort of didn't sit quite right with me attacking somebody else. Mm. And then I was like, you know what? I really am a lover. I do you know don't want to hurt other people mm. and it kind of switched me on to you know okay perhaps I won't practice this anymore mm. but there I mean in my experience um you know people who practice martial arts are some of the gentlest and nicest people um you know because you have that discipline and control over your energy yeah. uh, and um I think that's probably maybe where you're where you might be supposed to get to with kung fu yeah, I think so. Uh, the Kung Fu family that I was with were the the most lovely, humble people. You know, uh, we used to go out socialising. They would always be the ones who were looking out for other people. They would never ever start a fight, you know, and they knew how to call a fight down if there ever was one. Mm. Um, they, you know, they were not hotheads and they weren't, you know, sort of, we want to fight. That's not what they were about at all. Mm. Because I think they'd learned the discipline and, and the practice of it. You know, incredibly sort of uh, humble people. Mm. Uh, it's humble of you to not include yourself when you're talking about them. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, 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 didn't you say something to me about um, one, of your, one of your instructors said that you're a killer because nobody's really as nice as you are? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I think they used to sort of say, look, but butter wouldn't melt, look yeah. at her, and yeah. then, you know, get in the ring, and then... So, yeah, so, I guess, you know, what, what, what do you think was, was um, kind of the reason that you were drawn to, to working with, you said you worked with, with weapons and wanted to do stunts and stuff. So what what happened there? Tell us a bit bit about that. Yeah. Um, so I grew up riding horses, um, and I absolutely loved horses. And I think, you know, you were saying about watching TV and stuff, things like, um, you know, Xena warrior princess and, uh, it sounds so cliche, doesn't it? Lara Croft and all that kind of thing. And I was like, these and even actually Linda Hamilton in Terminator. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing her doing a pull up and thinking, "Oh my god!" You know, I, I want to do that. That yeah. that looks amazing to me. Yeah. And just sort of that sort of strong, empowered female thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just at the time, you know, I knew I loved martial arts. I knew I loved horse riding. And I was like, surely I can use this for, you know, something else. Um, the idea of being sort of a stunt woman was. Um, at the time it seemed almost impossible and there wasn't actually that many females you know I'm talking 23 years ago Mm. it's it's very different now there's a lot more females um, who can do it but back then it seemed a very rare thing Um, and I think there was you know one or two in the UK but that was about it and so did you where where did you take that did you do anything with it or did you just train and, 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 and do it for fun uh, well, I was training to get on the stunt register. Um, I don't know if you know anything about that, but that requires um, certain disciplines and you have to have certain levels in six different disciplines. Um, I don't know if it's changed now, because again, we're talking 23 years ago. Um, but uh, I got almost, I completed nearly all of them, and then I had a couple of serious injuries. And uh, I ended up having a shoulder operation. And I remember the consultate the consultation with the surgeon, um, him sort of saying to me, you know, you've got a choice here. You can stop doing what you're doing mm. and probably live a healthy life, or you're gonna end up with some serious um joint issues and he's he I think he said I was I'd probably get arthritis by the time I was thirty. Mm. Sort of, you know. And it just changed my direction a little bit mm. I, and that's kind of uh, I went into sort of uh, I like the idea of physiotherapy or rehabilitation mm. and then I became a fitness instructor and then you know that's how I ended up doing what I'm doing now so did, what happened to the shoulder do, do, you, do you want to talk about that or you don't uh, so I was doing a lot of sword work uh, dagger rapier um, yeah so not like as if it's nothing it's like yeah a lot of, working with a lot of swords uh, yeah, that's, that's amazing swords. Uh, and it was at the same time I was getting my um, gymnastics qualifications so there was a lot of like handstands and stuff where you had to use your shoulder a lot there um and in the end the surgery was just basically i had to re or the surgeon reattached the bicep head um my collarbone had become like a, a javelin so it'd become very pointed mm. and there was a lot of inflammation around there so he basically had to get in there get rid of all the inflammation like clean it all out mm. sort of shave the bone a little bit reattach the head and then 
I was good to go, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. And then so then so then you started doing what after you you decided to give up the the, the doing the stunt work. Yeah, so I went into I got a fitness qualification. Um, I did sports therapy as well, and then I got a job as a fitness instructor. Mm-hmm. And and do you mind talking about what's happened with your back and stuff? No, 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 no problem at all. Um, so the the short version is I spent many years doing fitness classes, a lot of high impact stuff, jumping around. Um, obviously, still carried on doing martial arts. Um, obviously competing and stuff. Um, I ended up having um surgery on my back, my L five S one. Um, basically the disc had completely worn away and um, they wanted to fuse the, the bottom two vertebrae. So uh, December 2016, I had that surgery. But up to that point, I'd probably had two and a half years of pain. Mm. Um, really, really stopped me doing... I mean, I had to give up. I'd just started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. A friend of mine who's an amazing... Um, martial artist and he's done so well he was showing me the ropes of jiu-jitsu but it was just too painful I couldn't get into any positions um so I had to give up all martial arts uh I could hardly do my job very well because I couldn't demonstrate a lot of uh movements without Mm. it hurting Mm. um and then you know I tried everything don't get me wrong I didn't just jump straight into surgery There was, there was lots of physio, osteopaths. I saw acupuncturists, you know, I had massage. I, I tried all sorts. Mm. Um, but the good news is the surgery was the best option for me. And, you know, surgery led me to yoga. Mm. And, you, you know, yoga has made me 10 times stronger than I was when I was just teaching all those classes. Well, I mean, I don't know if I believe that because you, you sound like you're insanely, um, you know, fit. I think maybe it was, it was just a, a matter of um, maybe kind of not looking after yourself, maybe maybe pushing yourself too hard. Um, I don't know. But um, these things, these things happen. Um, but, you know, um, it's, it's amazing. Like, you know, we've just done a session today and, and, and um, you know, to see you kind of moving through the sun salutations and flowing, and then doing the you know the chakras and the big wheel pose yeah. and everything. When we think about where we were, what two years ago, whatever yeah. it was, yeah. whenever we started doing it, it was um, it was difficult just to kind of stand up and sit down, you know, and, yeah. and kind of so. Um, but you're like a you know a, an amazing kind of example um to people in terms of you know you've had spinal fusion surgery um for people who don't know what that is it, it's it's what when you get tell you probably can explain it better than i can so basically they put two um metal rods mm. either side of your spine they obviously screw into your spine and they then put a bone graft around it so it becomes like one big joint rather than two because mm. it hasn't got it hasn't got the bit in the middle anymore mm. so the the disc is all completely gone basically mm. And so, and to to come from that place, and 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 uh, 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 you know, just going bit by bit through the bits that we've done together is it has been pretty amazing and a joy to watch. And it's like you're an inspiration to me. And and you know, um, I don't know if I would have had the strength to come back from what you've you've done. I mean, you know, so you should be really proud of yourself for that. Um, but you know. D- the, the doctors had said that you, what that you wouldn't be able to kind of um i mean i, I just want to try and give people an idea of the severity of yeah. of, of what you've come through and, and and um how how much kind of respect that you deserve i think tell us a little bit about what the doctor said to you when you had the surgery 
Uh, yeah, so actually before the surgery, mm. um, he said to me, um, you probably won't be able to squat. You probably won't have full range of motion in your back. And he's, he even said to me, you might have to give up your career because obviously, you know, I'm in the fitness industry now. And uh, he said, you you know, you're not going to be able to move like you used to be able to move. Mm. Um, which I think at the time... I think I thought in my head, you know, I'm going to have limited range, but I'm going to just see. I'm just going to see what my body can do. Um, because as we know, the body is an amazing piece of equipment and surprises us all the time. And, and like when we first started, I remember you doing a little baby, um, like a baby cobra. Mm. What, what do you call that? Uh, yeah, uh, the sphinx. The sphinx, that's yeah. it. And I could hardly even lift up, could I? It mm. was like really, really hard. I had no strength and obviously my range wasn't there. So to come from that to what we were doing, like even just today, that mm. big wheel thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even, even I'm impressed. Yeah, 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 you should be. Um, it's not to say that if you have spinal fusion surgery that, that you know, you, you need to be um, coming and doing what Josie's done, but I just think it's, it's, it's um, I think it's important to express that um, sometimes limitations can be placed upon you mm-hmm. and it's good to push those boundaries a little bit and go, yeah. you know, is that right? Mm. Is that right for me? And, you know, fast forward, you know, two years on or whatever it is. And what are you doing now in the fitness industry? Uh, so I now um, run a personal training studio um, with my business partner, Liam, um, who's a physiotherapist. What's it called? Uh, it's called The Movement Place. Um, What's the address? <laughs> we're in Sundon Park, Camford Way. Um, she doesn't want to plug her own stuff she's too nice so I have to push her to plug her own stuff so the movement place uh, give us the address again uh, 183 Camford Way Luton um, yeah you know google us find us on Facebook come over and have a see but we are a little bit different we like all sorts of movements um, you know we understand you know, especially people with injuries both uh, Liam being a physio and also he's had a ton of injuries himself and myself you know we've been through it um, and we just want people to feel great and, and move you know as much as they can and feel happy hmm. uh, yeah I mean saying that you know having had injuries myself as well I think that that's a really important thing I think that's um, it gives you a, a different kind of perspective and an empathy with people you know when you when yeah. you've had like I, my, I did my my cartilage in my knees when I was about 15 I had to stop playing football and that like see my my world was over yeah and you know and the reason why I started doing yoga is because um I kept on trying to play on and then hurting myself again and 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 then I was trying to find something that was working for me in terms of health and fitness and and, and I kept on injuring myself doing that whatever it was and then I heard Giggs, Ryan Giggs was doing yoga. And at the time he was ancient to me, he was, well, so I'm talking, what is it now? So 13 years ago, something like that, uh, 14, 13, 14 years ago, whatever it was when I started doing it. And so he would have been about 33, 32 at the time. And that, to me, I thought that was really old. And, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I was going, and he's still playing for Man U. I mean, he is um, an example of, of someone who is, is, is an amazing um kind of anomaly maybe um, you could say 40 years old played for for Man U at the top um, winning the Premier League mm. um, and he was asked why because he'd had a lot of injuries when he was younger and he was asked what he put down the, the prolonging of his career to and he, and he said that um, yoga w- was one of the main reasons why he had had 
being able to stay injury free and play on for, mm-hmm. for such a long time. So I thought of it's all right for gigs, it's all right for me. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, went along and tried it yeah. and the, the yoga and, and just, you know, fell in love with it and, and went from there. So but I understand people like with knee problems and and so on and uh, people come to you with back issues and stuff yeah. so so I guess if someone you know um, so tell us about some of the classes that you do actually because I know you've started doing some some other really interesting stuff uh, in, in the classes there at the movement place yes yeah, so we do um, it's group it's called group personal training but it obviously is not one-to-one um, so we've got a couple different things going on we've got move fit move strong and move well in fact move well is the most recent one that um, we've started up um, it's for anyone over the age of 60. Um, so, you know, my mum and dad come along, uh, which is super cool. And it's about keeping people um, mobile and strong, you know, giving them good movement. It not, It's not about just coming in, pounding on a treadmill and going home or anything like that. It's about, you know, can they get up and down off the floor? You know, can they push themselves up? Can they lift themselves up? That kind of thing. Are are they uh, strong enough to, you know, um, move a bin, for example, that kind of thing. So I would say move well for me is probably one of the most exciting ones because I think it has a real impact on people. But having said that, actually, the Move Fit group that we run, it's predominantly, I would say, between the ages of 25 and sort of 45 it's open to everyone, you know, you don't have to be a particular age or anything to come to it. But a lot of people coming uh, on board with us who have been dealing with things like anxiety and uh, panic attacks. And what we do is uh, get them to feel really great. And it's really helping them with, you know, these panics and anxiety attacks that they're having. Mm. Yeah, because we know that, um, you know, increasing exercise can reduce cortisol levels and the anxiety and the stress um, comes from that and, uh, you know, and when you, you know, there, there's, there are some studies that have been linked um, to say that stress could be, and I don't know, um, you know, whether, I don't think there's agreement across the board, but stress might be inflammation in the brain. Yeah. And, you know, and so when we're talking about movement, mm-hmm. um, you're talking about, you know, things like arthritis. Arthritis is, is inflammation of the joints. Um, so this is where your move well class yeah. is so important because, um, you know, when you have inflammation in the joints or arthritis, um, it's painful when you start moving, it's painful when you don't move, mm. but when you get moving, that's when you warm the synovial fluid around the joints and it helps, um, you know, the bones, the joints to move past each other a little more easily. And um, so, yeah, so, so keeping on moving uh, can combat things like, I, I guess, you're talking about combating anxiety as well. There, there's only so much you can think about whenever you're trying to hold your body weight up and, the, yeah. and you're shaking in and, and a, and a plank pose yeah. or whatever yeah. it is. You know, that's really part of it too, isn't it? Yeah. You know, even if it's just half an hour or 45 minutes where they're not thinking about something else, um, it's amazing what that can do for them. They, they come out there feeling sort of energised because of that. They've had that break yeah. that they might not have otherwise got. So you do some other um, really interesting work with chums, don't you? Yeah, I, I'm a, an ambassador for chums, so I... And what is chums? Sorry, I should have explained. 
So um, they're a fantastic charity. Um, so they are down in Silso. Um, you can check them out on the website as well. Just go to Chums. Um, they work with um, families and children who have maybe been bereaved or are going through, you know, some really life-changing situations uh, they do some fantastic work um, I've been very very lucky um, to be involved with Dawn the CEO there so she's had um, training with me um, for quite a while but she sort of brought me on board to help some of the staff there um, you know again same sort of thing just health and wellness really just to, to help them deal with stress because they're going through a lot of stress themselves mm -hmm. helping all these people you know dealing with really you know serious things on a daily basis um, um i've been fortunate enough to go in there and i've done little talks with them you know we've done some movement we did some stretch classes um i, I think in general um it's about them feeling well at work and at home mm. yeah it's kind of like who cares for the carers kind of thing isn't yeah. it yeah yeah exactly that and so so uh, and what do you what do you do with them then what what do you find is the most beneficial for the, the, those people whenever you go on and work with them in chums uh, it always sounds really boring, the, the beneficial stuff, but it's the really simple stuff. It's like getting out, getting out for a walk, you know, get out in the fresh air and just go for a walk. You know, it's not, not rocket science. It's not anything really complicated or complex. It's, you know, stepping away from the desk, not being sat for, you know, a whole hour or two hours or, or however many hours, mm -hmm. um, you know, get some good food in, you know, good whole food, mm -hmm. get better sleep. Uh, I mean, it's really about supporting them to find ways to make it work for them, um, especially at work, because, you know, it's a stressful environment and it's not always um, inducive to feeling well. Mm. But, you know, the chums are brilliant because they really want to look after their staff there and they're really making an effort to make uh, health and wellness important. Yeah, that's great. And then you've brought a little bit of the yoga philosophy to chums, I believe, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I think um, actually it was the most requested thing, mm. yoga. Mm. Um, so we did a few like, uh, I, I would loosely say yoga oh. sessions. I, 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 see, I know your practice. You're good. You're, you're just, you're probably qualified enough to teach it. We just don't have the paperwork. But yeah, so tell me what you do with them. Uh, so we did, um, we went through some sun cells. Um, just got them to uh, open up, you know, hips, uh, shoulders, the usual kind of stuff that gets short and tight with mm. desk work. Sun sales or sun salutations yeah. for anybody listening <laughs> who doesn't know our lingo. So sun salutations where you're flexing and extending the spine, stretching and strengthening yeah. the front and the back of the body. The, um, the, when you're getting up and down so you do that with them and then that that's kind of been beneficial oh massively um and just even some of the simple stuff like standing up against a wall with your back against the wall and then keeping your elbows and your hands on the wall and then just raising them up mm. it sounds so simple and this is the thing it is simple but people were like really that's gonna and you know i had feedback saying oh you know my shoulders feel much better my neck pain's gone mm. and you know, it, it really has helped people, yeah. so that's good. Um, and I was thinking more specifically about the, the little sign-off that uh, I think that you, you've been doing with them um, that, that, I, that I always do in my classes as well, is that right? The... Kind thoughts, okay, yeah. kind words and kind actions. I absolutely... 
absolutely love that. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I've stole that from you. Yeah, <laughs> but I stole it. I stole it from from Ansi. Ansi yeah. Yo, who who um from my kind of yoga. She's brilliant. You know, she's the first ever yoga teacher that I went to, and it's so funny. We have so many um yeah. crossovers that uh, Josie used to work with with Ansi. Yeah, I did. Um, and but you know, if you're interested in, in you know. In, in seeing a brilliant yoga teacher and, and doing stuff who, who really inspired me go to see look up my kind of yoga with Anne CEO and she was the first one who introduced uh, the kind thoughts kind words and kind actions to me and I found out through having taken that on through um to other people um I was teaching somebody and they were going are you a Buddhist and I said no and I said well you know that's a Buddhist thing and I was like oh I didn't know that wow, so so there you go. So, so a little bit of um, Buddhism has crept in, and that takes us back nicely to where we're talking about the crossover between kung fu and yoga. Um, the, the kind of little, I I think, whatever about the facts about it, right? In mm-hmm. terms of where it's originated from, um, it doesn't matter because I think maybe there might be a competitive element between people trying to claim origins yeah, of things. Possibly. But I think that um, you know, the most important thing is that at its heart, like you said, you know, kung fu and yoga, um, they're about um, paying homage to, to the world and the energy around you by you know imitating animal shapes and, and things like that and understanding that um, that we're not the only things here that, that our energy is is fleeting I guess mm. and understanding that and um, so yeah so so hopefully you find that meaningful thank you very much um, Joseph for having the chat with me I really appreciate it thank you for having me I just want to let everybody know um, remind us about um, where they can find you uh, the, if you go to the Movement Place um, on Google, you'll find us. We're on there, the Facebook or the Instagram page. Okay, so you're based in Luton. Anybody in and around Luton, if you fancy going and doing some great stuff where uh, Josie incorporates movement from lots of different backgrounds, you can hear that she's done Kung Fu, uh, you know, as, as a flipping near world champion, you know. So <laughs> if you're interested in learning that, she, she can... Uh, you give people weapons to use, right? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. But you know, I do, I do have a couple of things in there. You know, I've got a wooden stick in there, so you can have that. <laughs> Great stuff. All right, so thank you very much for listening. Uh, just let you know as well if you want to, if you're finding these podcasts meaningful and you want to go along and support the podcast, you can go to the website patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n patreon.com forward slash everyday yoga and you know you can donate a price of a pint or a cup of coffee every month for for these podcasts if you like them and um if if not that's fine if you don't have the money to do that you don't want to do it that's fine but you know maybe go and leave a review somewhere online a nice one of course you know and say that you loved it Mm. and and give it five stars Uh, or you can go and um like share it with with one of your friends um you know, subscribe to the podcast, it all helps. Um, but thank you very much for, for following. I just realized um, I've been looking at the stats um, across the past month or so, and I realized that I've got um, a couple of listeners. We've got some listeners in America. I've got, uh, there's a few listeners um, in Belgium, a few in Germany, um, one in Bolivia that we had. Wow. So, so if you're the Bolivian listener, get in touch and let us know how you're finding it, whether you can even understand my accent or not. <laughs> um, but yeah, many thanks and uh, have a great week. And I think we should both, uh, we should sign off um, the way that I usually sign off. Kind thoughts, kind words and kind actions. Apply those things to yourself as well as to others. Namaste.